0: If you're interested in breaking into the world of financial services, then this is the episode for you because my next guest is a financial advisor with over two decades of experience working in a variety of financial roles, including in client portfolio management, real estate, and operations management but before i introduce you to dominic henderson i want to make sure you've signed up for the java junkies journal that's t for cs newsletter that features career advice and job seeking tips as well as unique insights into dozens of different industries from the professionals like dominic who are actually working in them just head over to the time for coffee website at time The number four, coffee.org, and the sign-up box is right there. Now, my finance-obsessed frappuccino lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Dominic Henderson, the founder of DJH, Capital Management, the financial advisory firm he launched in 2016 in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. DJH Capital specializes in creating financial roadmaps for its clients to achieve better stability and comfort with money. DJH also specializes in cash flow management, tax shelters, and tax-free income investment programs. Dominic has been working in the financial industry since 1998, and he actually knew from a young age that this is what he wanted to do with his life. When he was in elementary school, Dominic wrote a financial mission statement. My brain is exploding here, which was to help people win their money. Those were his words, my friends. Dominic is also the founder of the Jumpstart Coaching Lab, which is working to change the face of financial services by equipping the financial professional of tomorrow to serve their ideal clientele. He also hosts a wonderful podcast called Conversations for Financial Professionals, where he digs into the next gen of financial advice. Dominic, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go?
1: I am, Andrea. Good to see you again. Good to see you again.
0: Hold up that mug because this is called branding, my friends. (laughs) You like it? You like it? I like it. Now, I know you sent me one. I just can't remember off the top of my head what it says there on your mug. Conversation
1: is the name of the podcast.
0: There you go. You see, this is how bad I am down. My mug isn't even branded. I do have a time for coffee mug, but I didn't bring it. You are like, you are the package. I'm trying, I'm trying my best. I'm trying, I gotta keep up with people like you. Oh, please, please. Well, listen, one of many things that I admire about you, Dominic, is that you really know an industry that I know nothing about. Could you please give us a high-level view before we dive into our ten espresso shots? What financial services includes?
1: No, this is going to be a great conversation, and I have to say, please call me Dom because it's going to shorten the interview probably by by a third. Because I know all these <laughs> syllables in my name uh, tend to make interviews long. But I'll say this: financial professionals, which run the gamut from coaches, to advisors, to therapists, I think there's a very simple way to say what we do, which is we help take people's limited time and limited money and spread them across unlimited choices. Now, whether that's you're wearing a coaching hat or a counseling hat or a planner hat or advisor hat or a therapist hat, I think you're pretty much doing the same thing for all those groups of people. So that's my definition of financial
0: services. Okay, fair enough. Now, why is it that it I, I get the money piece, but how are you saving people time?
1: Well, this is a good example. I use this with all my prospects. I say, hey, there was a time in my life when I was much younger and less gray that I used to love to get out in the Texas heat and cut my own yard. So I actually know how to do it. In fact, I got some of the equipment in my garage. But as I got older, I started to realize that a marginal hour of my time was worth a bit more than I pay my landscaping crew. And so therefore I start to say, well, I need to leverage this. So sometimes financial services is one of those where you you have the capability, you have the knowledge, you have the aptitude, but you might want to outsource that so you can operate in your zone of genius to borrow a, a gay Hendrix saying, right? So I think we save people, I know I save my clients time and I've heard it time and again because if you think about a weekend of going through all your whatevers. For hours and not really having the certainty that you did it the right way, all the stress and anxiety that you build versus working with a person like myself. That's saving you time.
0: That is an excellent way of describing it. And by the way, I learned how to cut my yard because when I was a kid, my parents sent me out there and I had to do it with the push mower and it took me five hours. Because we lived on three quarters no, an acre and a half. What am I saying? Oh, yeah, oh an yeah. acre and a half. And it was a push mower with the clippings that would be caught oh, in the yeah. bag and I had oh, to yeah. then bring that to empty it. So
1: Oh yeah. You you were wishing for a brother or something.
0: <laughs> I had a brother, but he was quite a bit he was six years younger. So, you know, it took a few years before there, he was old that. enough. There's there you that. go. There you go. Well, thanks so much for that overview, let's get into the first espresso shot, which is what entry-level jobs, Dom, are available to young people who want to break into financial services?
1: No, great question. I think I have to bifurcate just a little bit because there is part of our industry that's very popularized. You see Fidelities in the Schwab's of the world. And so let's, let's stay there. That's what most people are going to be familiar with. And so in that, you have practice building, which is bringing in clients. And then you have servicing those clients. There's a lot of jobs, like on all the job sites, recruiters hire for them all the time that are on the practice building side. I don't necessarily think this is the best place for people new to the industry to land because there's a lot of you know prospecting and gathering clients that take a little bit more than just product knowledge to be good at, right? You got to have some really good people skills and communication skills and all that kind of stuff. Some of the stuff that you develop later in life usually. But on the other side of that is the support of clients, right? So you, you think about these associate or junior advisor roles that allow you to kind of be a sponge or a fly on the wall, if you will, whatever analogy you like, to kind of see what goes on. What, what does a dom do in a day, you know? And, and hear those recommendations, sit on the client calls, take notes, go through plans, all that kind of stuff. So I would say the junior or associate advisor role is probably the most suited for somebody coming out of college or out of school.
0: Excellent, thank you. What about a useful, hard and soft skill dom that you've looked for over the years in the young people that you've hired? I think
1: that, man, you know, in in 2021, I would answer this differently than I would even 10 years ago. But in 2021, I would say etiquette for digital media. That can mean a lot of things, but basically... Digital media is a platform that we now use. You know, we used to use ads and billboards and all that kind of stuff. We still use some of that to to a certain extent, but there's a lot of marketing, if you will, that goes on on social platforms. And so, understanding that etiquette—that's a skill set in itself. I've hired people. I've worked directly with people for my firm that don't have a finance background, but they're they're fluent in digital media, and so therefore they're an asset to me. So that's a skill. I think you know most financial professionals aspiring financial professionals would be good to develop in this day and age. And I would say on the soft side, probably empathy, just to you know, wrap it up in a nutshell. Having the ability, maybe active listening would be a close second, if not first, just because there's such a nuance in the the interplay between client and advisor, where they're telling you things that they want, that they may not need, that they may not be able to describe fully. And you're having to take this in and maybe break it down a couple of levels, ask why a couple of times, that kind of thing. So the empathy skills and the active listening skills, very high.
0: Excellent. What about someone's major? Is it a deciding factor to get into the field of financial services? In other words, if they haven't, like you, majored in finance in school, is it a deal breaker? Uh,
1: not as much. No, I would say no. Uh, because you know, if we're, if we're if we're keeping that same framework that I gave you about business building, and then uh, you know bringing the clients in, and then supporting the clients. On the second hand, maybe more so, right? Because there's financial planning programs nowadays. The CFP, um, the Certified Financial Planner designation, which is kind of the gold standard. There's about ninety thousand of us. There are different curriculum, but there's a lot of third, kind of third party providers that allow you to go through them for the education, whether you came out of school with an engineering degree or a finance degree. So That's not really an obstacle as much as it were back in the day. So and then we have the very, let's call them rainmaker, charismatic type that are, you know, never met a stranger. You know, some of these people, I have these 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 friends in my network. They they haven't even gone, but they, they can just rent a room. You know, they just have it. And so the educational barrier is pretty low. That's not to say once you get in, you don't need to do other things to add to your technical chops. It's just to say that as a barrier for entry, it's not really there.
0: What about grad school? And this is less so maybe for those who want to break into financial services, more so for somebody who wants to build their own business or make it to the Mm C-suite. I know that you got your Master of Security Analysis and Portfolio Management and Finance at Creighton University. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you recommend? And if so, what type of advanced degree?
1: Yeah, I think so. Once you start thinking, and it it, it can happen definitely earlier than this, but let's say the typical person comes out of school, 22, 23 years old with their bachelor's and whatever, and they find themselves landed in a financial services job. I think if you stay generalist, what you're going to find out that in the next two or three years, you want to want to dive into something, whether that's tax strategy or investment management or financial planning specifically, educational planning, retirement There's so many different areas. And I think that's why you see there's more than, you know, I think it's close to 100 now that the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority has a designation. Now, we're not going to get into all that because some of them are, you know, kind of funky or wonky. But the point is, is you can start to get specific. And I think this is where a graduate degree helps, right? Because the technical aptitude, which you get exposed to, all these different things are are really good for you when you're trying to go down a more narrow path to help people. Because you're going to eventually figure out, okay, I like dealing with these type of clients with this type of subject matter versus this type of client and that type of subject matter. So to that point, I think, yes, it would be important at that point.
0: Great advice. What about life experiences, Dom? And by that, I mean the experiences that we have Outside the classroom, it could be speaking other languages at home. It could be growing up one of eight kids or being an only child. I don't know what that is. It could be playing team sports. What do you think are the best kind of life experiences that our young listeners who may still be in school should try to cultivate, should try to get, or may already have that would be useful to them? When they try to break into financial services,
1: yeah, I would wholeheartedly say the list you just named is great. What I could add to that list is, and I've said this to my clients, and I think my audiences before is I think some of the best financial advice I've given has come out of me being a parent and being married to the same woman for twenty four years so there's a lot to say about life experience that's not found between the black and white of pages, right because here's the reality, and i I've told this to advisors that I've mentored is that. CFP is great. It's never going to prepare you for the first phone call that you get it from a client that had a spouse that's passed or that's about to divorce or is having some other just lost their job. Like That's not in the black and white of those books, right? You can only live that. So I would embrace every aspect of your life, which means, and I think you talked about this on your platform, Andrea, is expose yourself to different things, right? Travel, learn another language, get around people, get uncomfortable, go to Toastmasters. All these things I think can be woven into the, let's call it the mosaic of who you become when you show up in financial services.
0: Excellent. So hopefully this is an easy question. What is the best part for you, Dom, of being in this industry, of being in financial services?
1: Oh, that's easy. That's seeing people win with their money, seeing good advice take hold, and people actually reaping the benefits of that.
0: And the flip side, and we can say, you have now run your own firm for going on six years. What are the what is the aspect of being the sole provider of being the name on the masthead (laughs) that sucks the most?
1: I would say just it's it's almost similar, right? It's it's seeing people come to me that has gotten bad advice and they reap the fruit of that. Because the interesting about this, and I've had the, the, <laughs> the pleasure of having to hit the reset button a couple of times in life. And the thing about some circumstances when you get bad advice is that people always focus on the money that you lose, but time is our greatest asset. And bad advice steals your time. And so to me, that's the, that's the part that sucks the most is when people have you know, the greatest of intentions, get some bad advice, and they come to me a little later stage in life. And they don't have as much time. And I can't do anything about that. So that would probably suck the most for me. Because I love to help everybody, but sometimes the time limits <laughs> or puts a constraint on that.
0: Yeah, that actuarial table. Yeah. <laughs> can't change that. <laughs> so three final espresso shots. What <laughs> is the best career advice you've ever gotten done? Probably to work hard.
1: Like hard work out it trumps a lot of things, really. I mean, I just, I'm just trying to think of an industry in which hard work does not suit the person. And I can't think of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know this notion about working smarter, not harder. And I'm all for that, but that's, that's not in the absence of hard work. It's just to say that as you're working hard, find ways to work smarter. It's not a replacement for hard work.
0: What movies, if any, or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Apple TV streaming shows or books do you think accurately depict this profession?
1: Oh, accurately? Oh, wow. Accurately? That's a stretch because everything gets Hollywooded once it gets on TV. But there are a couple of good books. Uh, I'm a fan of Michael Lewis's work with The Big Short is one. Um, I think Boomerang is another. So if anybody Googled Michael Lewis, he he gave a pretty good, at least in the books, he gave a pretty good depiction of how things were going on, especially during the, the, the Great Recession and the housing crisis um, back in 2007 through 2009. So that's a really good treatise, in my opinion, of... Uh, as far as I'm pretty sure, there's other stuff. I'm not, I'm not a big TV person, but uh, you can see there's plenty of books back there. <laughs> I don't want to bore the audience with a lot of the book. Uh, I think, Andrew, this is uh, interesting question because there's so many different facets of financial services that I think you have to look at it in that light too. But so I'll give one more book recommendation, which is um, Principles by Ray, Ray Dalio, who, who ran the largest hedge fund uh, ever. Right? They only you can only be with them if you had a billion dollars or more so (laughs) they're very exclusive but uh he he has some really really great timeless insights in the book
0: excellent okay (laughs) we'll include links to those books in show notes thanks so much final espresso shot what would java junkies be surprised to learn about financial services um
1: This may seem counterintuitive because of all the analysis that goes into creating a financial plan and all the statistics and Monte Carlo analysis and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's rarely the smartest person in the room. I think it's really the great financial advisors that I know of. They're just really great humans, great communicators, good at building relationships, uh, good at the empathetic stuff that I talked about earlier. And so it's not as much as what people... And granted, I know you got to go, in some instances, you got to go to school, you got to do all that stuff. I get it. Uh, but to me, that's more table stakes. That's just kind of like what you have to do. But when you're talking about the elite, the 1% of the 1%, these people are really high IQ, but also really high EQ. And so that's what I would say.
0: Dominic is the founder of the Jumpstart Coaching Lab, which is working to change the face of the financial services industry by equipping the financial professional of tomorrow to serve their ideal client. He also hosts a wonderful podcast that you've got to subscribe to and tune into entitled Conversations for Financial Professionals, where he digs into the next generation of financial advice. You can also follow him on LinkedIn, which is how Dom and I met. Yeah. Dom, I want to thank you so much for making time for coffee today with me and the t community. This was terrific. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab Time the number four coffee or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712.